Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Back inside the screening room, and the question is, is anything going to dethrone Infinity War? We're thinking probably not. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from MadWolf.com, and the Screening Room Podcast has a great sponsor. Yes. Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With a 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. Let's start off with a remake of a favorite from the 80s. A spoiled, wealthy yacht owner is thrown overboard and becomes the target of revenge from his mistreated employee, Overboard. Could you be a doll and get me a little snack? You know I was just hired to do carpets, right? You're fired. I bet you haven't worked a single day in your entire self-absorbed life. Just pay me and I'll be on my way. Nope. He is the devil. I owe the cleaning company 3000 bucks for a new machine. And they fired me. Rich people, they get away with everything. I don't know what day it is. I don't even know my own name. Amnesia in our little town. That's him. I have an idea that is poetic in its justice. I'm here to pick up my husband. You're really my wife? For better or worse, baby. Bah! You know what? <laughs> it's hard to update 80s movies, right? In a lot of ways, because uh, there are... Th- Times were different then. Times were simpler then. Is that what you're saying? A little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. So the original film, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, which I saw about a million times, Gary Gary Marshall directed it. Oh, yeah. And of course, as most people, that's where they got together right. as a couple. And it's so it's a ridiculous story about, in the original, it was a carpenter who, who went on board a yacht to build out a closet for the billionaire Goldie Hawn. Right. And in this one, it's a carpet cleaner, and it's Anna Ferris. And she goes on board the yacht uh, to, to basically sop up a lot of spilt champagne. So they're switching the gender exactly. roles this time, yeah. The problem is that the story is so utterly ludicrous, right? The the millionaire is mean, causes them to lose a bunch of money, doesn't pay them, and then they wind up back in the small town of Elk Cove with amnesia. And then, oh, I know how to get my money back. I'm going to make this person work like a slave for me just until the debt is paid, and then I'll let them know that basically I kidnapped them and committed <laughs> fraud and hope that with all of the money they have now, they don't sue me into the ground or send me to prison. Yeah. It's the, Whoops, wasn't that right. funny? But it's hilarious, isn't it? Yeah, and this time, the billionaire is played by Mexican star Eugenio Derbez, I think. It's Who is just in right. How to Be a Latin Lover. And he's going to be the voice of Speedy, Speedy Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Right, yeah. and... Uh, a little nod to that. In this film, he's got a tattoo of Speedy Gonzales on his butt. The biggest, biggest problem with this film is that really the the main reason that the original worked as well as it did, it coasted by on the, the talent, charisma, and chemistry of the two leads. You know, that's something that people, I think it's it's so often overlooked. I mean, chemistry... You don't think about it when it's there. Right. You know, you're just watching it. Oh, but boy, when it's not there. Right. Because Talk the whole, about a sore thumb. When you watch the first one, you, as an audience member, you are either attracted to Goldie Hawn or to Kurt Russell or to both. And they're clearly attracted to each other. And you spend the whole time going, oh, I hope they get together. You know, for this one... It's just not there. There is no chemistry. So yep. as it moves along to the obvious conclusion, it's actually a bit creepy. You know, and, and that's weird because it doesn't necessarily mean 
the performers don't have talent. No. Sometimes you can bring together very talented performers. And the movie I'm thinking of is the uh, the Snow White, uh, right? The Huntsman. When yes. You had Charlize Theron, one of the and best, Emily Blunt, one of the best, and nothing. No, and, and, I and was Jessica Chastain. Yeah, and and I was shocked, no. and there was nothing there. So. It's not really a knock on these performers because Anna Ferris can be funny. Yeah, she's you know, talented. talented there. There's but I just don't, not a spark. No, and, and also I don't think that she is quite performer enough to carry a movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what she has to do here. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's flat. And without without the chemistry to blind you, right? I mean, with, y- y- all you can notice is how utterly ridiculous the story is and how yeah. very sitcom-y it feels. So contrived. They do a couple of interesting things besides just the gender swap. Also, because he is a Mexican heir to this huge fortune, he pr- he principally speaks in Spanish. And then when he when she takes him in and she puts him to work, well, he goes to work with day laborers who also principally speak Spanish. And then her other job is at a pizza place who that that's owned by Eva Longoria and the guys in the kitchen mainly speak Spanish. So one of the interesting things about this movie is that it's it's subtitled. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is subtitled. Yeah. And it fits the narrative in that if you are really going to be looking at American working poor, you need to not be looking at just a white population. That's a ridiculous image to yeah. create. And so, so the, the fact that they, that they diversify, they yeah. really do. They show yeah. you a broader picture of, of the struggles to just get by. And maybe that's the only nod I can give it. <laughs> Yeah, very, very sitcom-y and not, just not funny enough. No. You know, too contrived, and you're right. A movie like this needs to really get by on chemistry mm-hmm. and, and magnetism of its stars, and it just, it just doesn't happen here, and that's the remake of Overboard. Next up is one we've been looking forward to, mainly because of the reunion going on here with a lot of the people involved. It's a story of a mother of three hiring a night nanny to help with her newborn. It's called Tully. <laughs> Frozen pizza, awesome. Hello. I'm Telly. I'm here to take care of you. I have been so excited for this one. So Jason Reitman has been one of my favorite directors. And in his last couple of films, very few people have taken a nosedive as hard as Jason Reitman has. Yeah, he did things like Up in the Air. Mm-hmm. And he did Juno, Juno and Young, Young Adult. Adult. Thank you for smoking. Yeah, and, and with Juno and Young Adult, he was with writer Diablo Cody, right. who wrote this movie. So that's the reunion that we're, we're thinking of. Well, as and well also, as... of course, right, Young Adult, which is a nearly perfect movie, and it stars Charlize Theron, and it right. was the most uh, ideal vehicle for her that I can even think of. It's such an underseen movie, Watch an underappreciated it. movie. A lot of people appreciate Juno as mm-hmm. well they should. But man, Young Adult was just criminally ignored. Yes, it was. And it's so good. So look that up. But anyway, yeah, so that was uh, director Jason Reitman writer Diablo Cody and star Charlize Theron and they're all back in this one it's called Tully and it's a it really pulls a little bit of each of those previous two collaborations Juno and um, Young Adult and in this one Charlize plays Marlo who is already has uh, well, he's, he's, she's got an inattentive husband Drew played by Ron Livingston Office Space and, he uh, outkicked his coverage yeah, he did <laughs> uh, although she really, you know, yeah, she, she really yeah, dumps up, dumps up in yeah. this one. But 
So she's already got, they've already got two kids, and one of them, the boy, has behavioral problems, so that, you know, causes some frayed nerves. And now, oh, surprise! She's got a brand new, new baby girl. And so she is just at her wit's end. Her husband goes away a lot on business, and then when he's home, he plays a lot of video games. So that that's one of the, the few areas that the film falls into cliche, but that's fine. Her brother happens to be very rich, which is nice and convenient. He's played by Mark Duplass. And his baby gift this time is of a night nanny uh, who just comes over and takes care of the baby at night while you sleep. And we have said many times that our biggest problem when we became parents was the lack of sleep. Which is why we only had one. My Lord, mm -hmm. that was hard. Of oh course, we were, you know, we were working in restaurants and we were serious night owls. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a huge culture change, as, as it is for, I would say, almost all new parents. And it certainly is with her in this movie because she's getting next to no help. And so finally, after some reservations, I'm like, why do you have reservations? <laughs> You're getting a night nanny. Uh, she finally hires her. She's played by Tully, is the night nanny, comes over. And she's played by Mackenzie Davis, who is very good. I really wasn't familiar with. She's done a lot of TV. She mm -hmm. did. The, she does that Halt and Catch Fire, that Silicon Valley um, mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And she's done some other things. But she's very good. Just, just radiates a kind of youthful exuberance as as Marlo is looking at her as her younger self. Right, right. And they form a very unlikely friendship. And that's where the core of the movie comes in because it's funny, the, the character Tully doesn't show up till about 40 minutes into the movie right. for a movie called Tully. Right. But by then, you already know that the anchor here, the cement of this movie is Charlize Theron and her wonderful performance. And, and then once she becomes this unlikely, strikes up this unlikely friendship with this much younger uh, Tully, then what Diablo Cody is able to do with her writing, because she's a, she's a good writer. She's a very, she's good, a very writer. good writer. She's an Oscar winner. And she's able to show how women work through the changing roles of their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say they don't appreciate the role that they're in at the time, but the change. And they're, and they're looking back to the different ways that they are perceived, the different ways that society expects them to be. And just as they move through the roles of their life and maybe saying goodbye to one phase mm -hmm. and saying hello to another. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where the you know the bittersweet drama of the movie comes in. And uh, it's funny, it might be one of those movies where people are a little, not tricked is the word, but they might be expecting a movie that they don't get when they watch the advertisements, mm -hmm. the trailers. Because, you know, and I get it, that's marketing. You know, we've talked about this before. Yeah. They want to craft a trailer that gets you... Butts in seats. Butts in seats. But don't come thinking this is a heartwarming, warm, fuzzy family comedy, because it's not. It is funny, and it's funny in a biting way, but it's also, there's there's some drama here, and, and there's some very, for me, unexpected, some unexpected chances that the movie takes uh, and that I don't think maybe all people will be great with, mm -hmm. uh, maybe. Uh, but the writing holds up, and the direction, Jason Reitman is back on solid ground nice, here in a very nice. comfort zone, and mm -hmm. he helps to keep it grounded when the movie does take these turns by giving you a world that's very, very relatable, especially, I would assume, for women and especially for parents, mm -hmm. because it's very relatable and it's always so human. And, and even as good as, as everything is and the writing is, it's really hard to imagine the movie without Charlize Theron. She's so good. Just like young adult. Yeah, you just can't kind, picture anybody else in it. It's the kind of role that she's perfect for. Instead of you know, as much as I like her and as good as she is, sometimes when she's in a movie like, say, that, that Fast and Furious right, right, thing, right. when she's trying to vamp it up a little too much, mm -hmm. too much of the villain, mm -hmm. um, it just feels a little forced. This is so natural and so good when she has, she just goes 
between those human moments of right. compassion and anger and frustration and sadness. And it, it's never less than human. And uh, and she gets, as I said, good support from Mackenzie Davis. And, and they strike up a real nice, they have some real nice chemistry mm-hmm. uh, between the two of them. So uh, I really liked it just for a couple of missteps here and there. Like I said, it falls into cliche just a couple of times. But it, in the end, it feels like a movie that it, it, it starts with a, a premise that maybe is familiar but then it takes some chances and maybe and, and, and pushes enough boundaries to make it feel new and to make it feel like there's something. Boy, we should have seen this before. Mm-hmm. We, you know, and it's glad we're glad it's here now. So recommend Tully this week. Hey, before we move on, don't forget, we're going to do this live at the Columbus Podcast Fest. Yeah, looking forward to that. We've been invited. That's going to be this Friday night. It's May 11th. We're going to be doing the screening room live before a big capacity crowd. I guess the tickets are selling really Woo! well, which is very exciting. Uh, at the Columbus Podcast Festival, that is on the Short North Stage, 1187 North High Street, if you're in the area of Columbus or Central Ohio. It's a weekend-long affair. All these great podcasts recording their episodes live. It is really, really exciting, and I, I definitely urge you to check it out. You can find it on our social media or the uh, any kind of social media. You can find the Columbus Podcast Festival. But our slot for the screening room is going to be about 8 8-15 mm-hmm. on Friday night, mm-hmm. May 11th. So we would love to see you there as we run down all of next week's offerings new at the, in the theaters and on home video. So a couple smaller movies and limited release to talk about this week. The first one is two brothers returning to a cult that they fled from years ago to discover that the group's beliefs may be more sane than they once thought. It's called The Endless. I want to go back. That place is not what you think it is. G lied to you. We couldn't be happier. I saw some of the things last night. There's something out here, isn't there? Happier. Yeah, there is. Happier, 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 happier. Who's next? This is another one that I was looking forward to because writers, directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead have made two other films that I absolutely love. And the first, Resolution. Oh, what a great Remember movie. That? Yes. I saw that first mm-hmm. and I kept bugging you to see it. Yep. It's just a mind bender. It is, it absolutely. Really is, as this one kind of mm-hmm. is. And they also did Spring. Yes, they did Spring, which is kind of a monster movie, kind of a kind of a romance. I mean, one of the things that they do incredibly well is to mash up genres mm-hmm. so that you never know what to expect. And it, it makes for a, a very interesting ride and every and time. And in some humor yes. as well. Oh, very much. And definitely, if any, if you have seen Resolution, you definitely want to make time for this one. That's, mm-hmm. that's all we'll say right. about that. But. You do, it's not required. <laughs> it's not you don't required, need to have seen but it. But you will really appreciate yeah, it. You really will. And and it's, it is a humorous idea. You know, these, these two brothers, they fled from a cult. When they were very young, one was the younger brother was very, very young. So his memories are mostly fond. His memories are mostly of not being poor and being well fed right. and liking the food. Right. right? <laughs> That's mostly right. what he remembers that the older brother remembers it in a little bit more menacing more way. Sinister, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but they're miserable in their current lives because they really don't know how to move past and socialize having been in a cult all this time. They're poor, you know, and, and so the younger brother convinces him just to go for a visit. Well, and, and also should be said, the younger brother, I don't think, is, is ready to admit it's a cult. Right. Because he was apparently young enough that he just thought it was a nice place to exactly, live. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So they go back for a quote unquote visit. Right. And I don't know about you. Right away, I thought, well, come on. This is not going to be a visit. 
Well, one of the things I think the film does really well is generate that tension of, are they ever going to get out of here? <laughs> exactly. Like, why did, you know, it's, for me, it reminds me of whenever, I, like, I have dreams of being in my hometown and thinking, why did I come back here? I'm never getting out. So that's what it reminded me of. They pull me back that's in. That's right. <laughs> and and it does take some wild, unexpected turns. But it one does. of the things that the that these filmmakers do so well is they're the turns are unexpected, but very reasonable. You're like, oh sure. Not that it's a twist. It's not a twist. It's not like an M Night Shyamalan type of film. No. It's just that it goes places you didn't expect. Although they feel very organic. I'm not gonna say this is not of the three films. This is not the strongest. Yeah. And I will say that the, the filmmakers this time are also the stars. They are. And they, they're not the greatest actors all the time. They're okay. They are. They do a fine job, but they, they don't really excel. And they they both were in their other two films. And they have cameos in, in other movies, but they've never tried to shoulder one. Right. And uh, their brotherly banter feels authentic, which might just be because they are directors who spend all their time together. <laughs> right. But the Moorhead plays a really sort of shell-shocked guy who's never been on a date you're like not a, you know it's yeah. hard to buy you just yeah. don't buy it because yeah. he just seems more confident than that person would be yeah yeah I, i'm with you and i didn't like it as much as resolution uh maybe because part of the the effect you get when you just have no clue about a movie mm-hmm. and, it, and it bowls you over like that now this one we had a little bit of a clue because we know who the filmmakers were right. we were looking for all right. oh, resolution so but still it didn't r- rise quite to that level and i don't think maybe i liked it quite as much as you did right but but uh, it is, it's, it's very mind bending. There are some great small characters, yes. great. And it's not an outright horror film, uh, as none of their films are. It's creepy, but it's not scary. It's definitely a sci fi fantasy uh, horror bend, but, but not scary, just very trippy. Yeah, very trippy. Yeah, that's a good word. Very trippy and worth checking out. Uh, the Endless. One more, and this one is the, was the official. Israeli selection for last year's foreign language, best foreign language film at the Academy Awards. And it's a story of a troubled family facing the facts when something goes terribly wrong at their son's desolate military post. It's called Foxtrot. Well, this movie is stunning to look at. Yeah. The themes are so represented in the visual aesthetic of this film. It's, it's mesmerizing. I-, I loved it in so many ways. It's the latest from writer-director Samuel Mayos, who did Lebanon a few years ago. And it might be an overused cliche to talk about in a movie, but one you keep thinking about Absolutely. afterwards. Definitely this one. You're right. Visually bold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things that he does, and he, and he throws together themes. Uh, funny. Yes. It'll come out of, the, out unexpectedly. of nowhere. Unexpectedly funny. Also incredibly sad. Very as sad. As a story deals with loss and, and grief and regret. And some absurdity, almost some surreal yeah. imagery. There are moments of the film that feel David Lynch-esque to me, although the whole movie doesn't. The whole movie is much more coherent of a single story, but there are just images where, it, I mean, it's yeah. just a glorious to look at movie. And it centers around a couple in Tel Aviv, and the, the, the man is played by Lior Ashkenazi, who... We just love. Always. He's a guy, if you don't know him, you probably know his face. He's in a lot of things. He always, a lot of times he'll play an Israeli statesman. Right. I mean, I've seen two movies where he played the Israeli prime minister. He was in uh, the one that we love, Big Bad Wolves, yes, the horror movie. Yes, that's the thing. He's He's been in yeah. a couple of Israeli horror movies where he plays very, very layered, nuanced characters. I mean, he yeah. just always he's gives always a great good. performance. And uh, his wife's played by Sarah Adler, who's also very good. And they're, they're um, kind of an estranged couple, but they get some terrible news about their grown son, who's in the Israeli Defense Forces, out on this desolate outpost, and there's an accident. And they get news, and then they get another bit of news, and... 
the couple takes this news very differently. Mm -hmm. And then that's about all we can say, really. But 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 things happen and then you catch up with maybe what has gone on in the past at this outpost with their son. And uh, you find out some other things, and I'm trying to be very vague right. here. But, I mean, it's but, it's really, you, you want it probably as little description of this right, film as you can. Right. But to know that it's about patterns and that that echoes in everything that happens in the most fascinating ways, visually and in terms of the story. The performances are amazing. It's it's just, it's a mesmerizing film from beginning to end. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's funny that it's called, it's fo Foxtrot because... That that's a dance that's described in the movie as always taking you back to the same place. Right. And in a, in a similar way, this movie can be viewed in different angles, but still coming to the same conclusion about it. Because it can be, you can look at it as a political commentary mm -hmm. on the director's homeland of mm -hmm. Israel. You can look at it uh, as a really universal statement on war. Or you can look at it as a very intimate study of this family and loss and grief and regret. Yeah. And it works Whichever way you want to, absolutely, you, you want to look at mm -hmm. it. And as you said, the visuals continue to stay. even from the very. Remember that opening scene? Yes. It's a it's a circular camera movement around a patterned kitchen floor. Mm -hmm. So you're right, patterns oh, yeah. and disorientation mm -hmm. right away are one of the themes that pop up, and I really, really loved it. I think we both did, yeah. and I definitely urge you to see Foxtrot if you can. Also Let's got a few to talk about. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Couple of animated films. Couple yeah. of animated okay. films. Okay. Couple of family films worth checking out. The one is Peter Rabbit. I did not have really high hopes when I saw the trailer, but it is clever. The vocal talent is great. The actual concrete talent, Donald Gleason and Rose Byrne, very very funny. It is clever and. It looks great. I think your family will love it. Another one, an anime film in sort of the style of a Miyazaki, your spirited away type, called Mary and the Witch's Flower, which is just another sort of hypnotic, lovely, fun anime that is great for the whole family. Also out this week is 12 Strong. It's the story of the horse soldiers, the special forces team that was the first deployed into Afghanistan after 9-11. And it, you know, it it's decent. It suffers from a lot of those same cliches that a lot of these movies do when telling a story that's very worth telling mm -hmm. but you know it's got the stoic man leaving behind their women and going off to do their job so it does suffer from some of those tropes but it also rebounds a little bit with take with some nice surprises uh goes in some some ways that a lot of these movies don't always there's decent action so in the end i think it makes it just just worthwhile enough for one of these. Because it is a fascinating story. It is that, a great story. And, and I, doubt, I, I doubt very many people know that story. Right, and it's definitely a story because, yeah, because it was classified for so long. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a story that you should know, and these guys definitely uh, deserve a salute. Yeah, 12 Strong is definitely worth checking out. Also, in The Fade, we were just talking about a, a foreign film. Uh, this is another good one. It's actually the first, hard to believe, but it's the first German-language film that actress Diane Kruger has made in that her career. That is kind of crazy. It is, and she drives it. She's fantastic. In another movie about loss, she plays a woman who loses her husband and young child to what appears to be uh, a very targeted, politically motivated bombing. And then she remembers seeing some woman outside the uh, location of the bombing, and her memories become very important in the trial of the two people, the couple, the neo-Nazi couple that they bring up on charges of this bombing. So 
it's a little bit of a trial movie, and it de deals a lot with with grief again, grief and loss. But then it it heads toward a finale that that for me and I think for some people just isn't going to ring true enough. It it kind of falls victim to Hollywood thriller endings mm. type for a revenge fantasy type thing. But still, uh, it, it's solid, and just for the performance alone of Diane Kruger uh, in The Fade is worth checking out. And it was nominated for an Oscar this past year as yes, well. Yes, it was. Also this week on Home Video, one that we were sorely disappointed in, Winchester. Oh, I wanted this to be good I because Helen Mirren, I love, you love, we all love, don't we? We all we love all Helen love. Mirren. And Jason Clarke and Jason is always Clark, solid. Very, yeah. very good. And, and chemistry. Helen Mirren has chemistry with absolutely everybody, but this is just a weak silly haunted house movie that has no scares, no real plot to speak of. Uh, it wastes so much talent. It is just a wild disappointment. Yeah, it's the worst for me, the worst of horror movies. You know, music stabs, red herrings, jump scares. Yep. They can be effective, but that one, that's all you got? No. And this no. was really disappointing and boring, and that's Winchester. So what are we looking for next week? I know it's still a couple of weeks out for Solo and Deadpool 2, but that's what do we got right. next week? We have Life of the Party, which I'm excited about because I love Melissa McCarthy. Me too. Also, Breaking In and Terminal, which could be pretty good. Okay, we hope so. So we'll check those out next week. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about these movies or any. You can find us on Twitter, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, Mad Wolf. Also, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. The main website is madwolf.com. And if you can, speaking of next week's movies, uh, we do hope you can make it out, if you can, for the Columbus Podcast Festival. Again, we'll be taping the screening room live Friday night, May 11th. About 8.15 is our time slot uh, at the Short North Stage, 1187 North High Street for the Columbus Podcast Festival. Should be fun. So until then, the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and presented by Marcus Crosswoods Theaters. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.